Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us. We have an exciting episode for you this week. And I'm actually going to introduce my co-host, Keisha. Welcome, Keisha. Hello. Hello. So this is somebody that you hunted down. And uh... <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> and, and <laughs> in a purely positive way to uh, bring onto the podcast. So I want you to introduce our guest and tell us what we're talking about today. Yeah. um, So I am very honored to be speaking today with Anthony Ferraro, who is kind of a big deal. (laughs) And so Anthony, uh, if you'd love, if you'd like to introduce yourself uh, and kind of just a little bit about what you do and um, so the people know you. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, First of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm Anthony Ferraro. I'm 28 years old. I'm from a small town in New Jersey by the beach. It's called Spring Lake. And I'm a, uh, I guess my titles are professional athlete, motivational speaker, musician, and also podcaster, uh, husband, and soon to be dad. <gasps> Congratulations. What an epic resume. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am also blind. I was born blind with uh, a degenerative eye condition called Leber's congenital amaurosis. So Very awesome. Cool. Keisha and I are both our peers. Oh, we're, like, we're like siblings. It's very right? close. Yeah. LCA yeah, L- exactly. and RP are like pretty, they're kind of similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. That's so exciting. So do you have any sight at all at this time? Uh, it's really just light perception. And then like in the perfect natural lighting, I can make out like, I don't want to confuse people and say like objects, but like a blob <laughs> or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, that's like me. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And has it like, did you, when you were younger, because, you know, you said it was degenerative, um, similar to our experience as well with uh, retinal stuff. <laughs> um, so, like, how much vision did you have? Like, have you had quite a bit at one point or how did it kind of progressively change? Yeah, so when I was born, I had, like, um, for the the scale of, like, 20 over 20, I had, like, 20 over 400. So it wasn't, like, that bad. Like, obviously, that's pretty bad for, like, sighted folks yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. i uh like when i look back to that i'm like oh my gosh like i could that's a lot of vision i'm like you know i'm like i could drive a car back then but i couldn't but like (laughs) you know like that it was that good compared to now so like i lost huge chunks like um i want to say i lost a chunk in like elementary school and then like seventh grade and then like junior year of high school and then a couple years ago and now i'm starting to lose i've been noticing like the sphere of my left eye is like it starting from the peripheral like i have zero peripheral but starting from what i would call peripheral now is like going pretty dark okay mm-hmm. okay well that's great that gives us that gives us a bit of an idea um i feel like we're all we're in a very similar boat uh, <laughs> of yeah, eye level exactly. and lost journey probably um uh, fairly similar but anyway i have a lot of questions for you <laughs> um about <laughs> about all the cool stuff you do and uh i was I was shamelessly stalking you last night <laughs> on your website. Don't worry. <laughs> um, she was in your backyard looking through your <laughs> No, I'm, I'm from BC, so not too, too long of a journey. Uh, <laughs> I guess because you have such a, a lot of accomplishments, but I kind of want to start maybe with the sports. Um, because I know you have a documentary called A Shot in the Dark. Yes. And I really want to watch it <laughs> um and i'm going to but uh that trailer wow really really caught me um 
but I kind of want to, I guess, start with like, with wrestling, like, how did you get into it? And like, has that been something you've done? Like, since you were a kid? Like, what's the what's the journey there? Yeah, so um, it's a good question. I started, I like when I was like, very little. So my older brother was a really good wrestler, my brother Oliver, and I like always looked up to him. And when I was like, a little kid, I used to like, go to the practices, like, and do nothing basically i was just like <laughs> around. and then i stopped for like years and then i didn't really start until seventh grade it was um I, I went to school in so i grew up in spring lake new jersey and i would travel two hours a day or two hours there two hours back to go to a school for the blind in philly every day mm-hmm. and i did that up until sixth grade so seventh grade when i transferred um it was, I really wanted to find something to like do like a sport or something like that. And I always wanted to like play football, but my dad was like, you can't play football. Like you're going to get blindsided. That was like our joke. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, so I, I like grew up playing, like I grew up in a really big family. Um, I'm the youngest of five, but my mom's the second oldest of 13. So (gasps) my mom's the youngest of 13. No way. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) wild. I know. Um, Yeah. So I had like 65 cousins that all grew up in this area and they never treated me any differently. So I grew up like surfing, skateboarding, riding bikes until I started hitting parked cars. And then um, (laughs) I, I also like played like rec sports, like soccer and, you know, different things like that and then it got like harder to do any of that when it got to like higher levels and then in seventh grade I was kind of lazy at this point like a little depressed because like moving to the new school and you know going from being a, a school with all blind people to being the only blind person like it was weird so my brothers were really uh, encouraging saying you know you got to get into like do something athletic because you're just kind of sitting in front of the TV eating cheese doodles and it's not the best lifestyle. <laughs> and um, I started wrestling in seventh grade. Uh, I was like, all right, wrestling, like, cause that's what my brother did. My one brother, Oliver, and he was really good. And I started wrestling in seventh grade and I was like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be like the best. I'm going to beat everyone. And I ended up going like two and 12 in my seventh grade year and like one of my wins was just a forfeit where the person doesn't show up and you get your hand raised <laughs> oh, so, so two so and 12 I, means two wins out of 12 games for those yeah, of us no, non-wrestlers out of 14 so like two wins oh, losses. got it okay oh and, ouch and so it didn't go as planned <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember leaving the last match and like telling my dad like the last match of the season i told my dad like I don't want to be mediocre at this I want to get good and he helped me find a wrestling club that was like so basically like your off-season stuff and I started going four nights a week uh leaving my friends at the beach like they were all get to hang out and I had to go to practice and then do like tournaments every single weekend and I was still so bad and then finally it started getting a little better and started like like I didn't score a point in the tournaments off season until like maybe three, two months in, three months in of like doing tournaments every single weekend. So it was pretty demoralizing at first. And then I started seeing some progress and the guy that was working with me was incredible. This guy, Mike Melanconico, and we trained together every day and he, he worked with me like how to feel the moves instead of like, since I couldn't see them and different things like that. And then eighth grade, I ended up going like undefeated in my weight class and winning the whole championship and all this stuff. And then when I was uh, actually in my championship match in eighth grade, I wrestled sighted people. So I had to like, you had to do this thing called two hand contact where it's like, if they break away, I have no idea where they are. So the referee will blow the whistle and like bring us back. And uh, I was losing by 13 points in my uh, championship match in wrestling. That's like a lot of points to be losing by. And 
there was about 45 seconds left and I ended up throwing the kid and like pin onto his back and pinning him, which make, lets you, you know, that's, yeah, oh, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up winning. Everyone goes crazy. Like crowd goes nuts. I'm pretty happy. And then the guy's dad comes over to my dad and says, your son has an unfair advantage in this sport. He doesn't belong. <gasps> what? Um, what? <laughs> yeah, they were like, he should go to the Special Olympics. He doesn't oh. wrestling. Like, this isn't fair and all this stuff. So it was really hard. And at the same time, I had um, both my older brothers went to this private school. And my one brother was a state champion soccer player. The other took fifth in the state of New Jersey for wrestling. And they were pretty well established there. And I had a handwritten letter of acceptance in seventh grade saying, like, we're getting your books brailed, all this stuff. And then, uh, like, we'll make, like, the very minor accommodations that you need to go here. And then in eighth grade, that president who wrote that letter died. And I got a phone call and a letter from the school saying, uh, well, my parents did. And they're like, Anthony's no longer accepted to this school. We don't want to have to provide any accommodations for him, like, academically or environmentally and like all this stuff and it was like such a hard hit you know like mm. trying to you're just a kid and you just want to fit in and you're just like working your butt off to like be involved in sports and like do what everyone else is doing and just like have like sense of like belonging and I was so bummed out um but through the like Later on, a school reached out, and there was a school, St. John Vianney, where I ended up going to high school, and it was like the wrestling coach was the most amazing guy in the world, this guy, Pat Smith, and he really fought for me to be able to go there. And, um, you know, my mom, she doesn't take no for an answer. So <laughs> it was um, it was awesome. Like, you know, everything happens for a reason. So instead of going somewhere I wasn't even wanted, I got to go somewhere, like, o with open arms. And it was um, – it was a great experience, you know, like wrestling through high school and all that stuff. Wow. That's kind of the long version. I, I'm sorry, but I just want to know, I'm, I'm, I'm just still kind of like mouth hanging open at <laughs> unfair like, advantage. You, yeah. You have an unfair <laughs> advantage because you're blind. Are you freaking kidding me? Excuse I, I my know. language. Like, no, no, you did they get away with that? Like, did you, uh, did, like, people started saying that through my whole high school career. Once <sighs> I got good, like, um, they would say like, he has an unfair advantage because everyone has to stay in contact with him. Um, and then also saying, going as far as saying like, he's faking his blindness to get in. Uh, right. Me. It was amazing. Wow. That's bizarre. That stuff really used to bother me. And I had to like work on like ignoring it through high school. I was kind of a little bit of a, uh, emotion, emotional roller coaster. I bet. Yeah, I have no doubt. I'd have my breakdowns, yeah. So in high school, I started doing really well. Like, I won, like, 122 matches in my high school career. And I won a few, like, championships. And my junior year, because of all the stuff that was going on with, like, people, you know, being haters and all this stuff, my older brother, Oliver, he's like, dude, it's amazing how you're getting up every day and just not letting this stuff stop you. And you're still just doing, like, living your life. It's really inspiring and um he took a little he was into film at the time and he took a little trailer talking like a little two minute video of me talking about what it was like to be a blind wrestler growing up blind dealing with like some adversity and different things and then he posted it saying, this is my little brother. I want to make a film about him. I don't have all the resources. If you're a like camera operator or producer, please reach out and like help me out. And my high school wrestling coach's teammate from college, this guy, Chris Sikorsky, like the most incredible guy ever. He uh, reached out to my brother and said, what are you doing with this? You know, this is a great story. My brother's like, oh, like I'd love to make like a short film like on him, like, you know, just maybe like 20 minutes and Chris sat down with them and decided to make a full feature length documentary of my senior year where they like follow me around and capture all this footage in real time, like no scripts or anything, just all real life stuff. And they did just that. They followed me around my entire senior year. And then, so I graduated in 2013 and 
in 2000. So the film kind of got put on the shelf after I graduated because, you know, a lot of stuff was going on in everyone's lives. Like Chris just had a kid and my brother just bought his first house and all this stuff. So um, in 2015, Chris took the film off the shelf and he's like, I got to work on this. You know, there's a great story here. I got to got to see what I could do. And he puts together the first uh, 15 minutes of it. And he was like, oh, this is really awesome. Like, I can't wait to work. Like, I can't wait to do this. Like, there really is a story here to be told. And that, like, people could re relate to even outside of wrestling and stuff like that. And uh, he schedules a meeting with my brother. And two days before they were supposed to meet, my brother actually, uh, he didn't wake up from his sleep <gasps> until he was 27. Oh. And it was like, it was like the world stopped, like the floor was ripped out from under you. Like you're just like dangling in outer space. Like oh this God. happened. This wasn't supposed to happen. Like no one ever saw this coming. Like, and my brother was like larger than life. Like he was like, you know, he was 27, but it felt like he was like 45 because of like, wow. he felt like he's oh. lived like 10 lives and he never got to see any of the film. Then at his funeral, Chris came and said, like, no matter what it takes, I'm going to finish this film for everyone. Um, And he did just that over the next, like, 14 months. He, like, I couldn't even, like, count how many hours he put into this, like, thousands and thousands of hours of footage that he, like, broke down and, wow. uh, you know, from all different camera angles and, and just going through it to tell the story of everything. And he finished it and it was an hour and 30 minute long hour and 26 minutes and he um we needed to raise money for like the post-production and we he put uh the trailer of the documentary that you saw mm -hmm. on kickstarter and put like our goal is thirty six thousand. like we needed way more than that but we're like how are we ever going to get that money like no one's going to donate blah 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 mm -hmm. and we told the story about everything and you have 30 days on Kickstarter mm -hmm. to like raise your goal or else all the money goes back to everyone. Mm. And we ended up hitting the goal in like four days and six <gasps> hours. Oh my God. And then at the end of the month, like all these people, like no one we knew, like it just, it got pretty viral, the story. And we ended up raising like $87,000 at the end of the month. Awesome. And Chris finished the film and he took it to, we took it to all these like film festivals around the country and it won mm -hmm. like i think it won like over 10 awards and it was just really awesome like this like love story kind of from my brother's eyes almost that chris told and and <laughs> like it's like my brother lives on forever through it Aww. and what came out of that was when it was circulating like viral someone who saw it was the united states olympic committee and they had reached out to me you know, they called me and said, you know, uh, so now it's like 2017 and they were like, if you have any of that talent left from wrestling, would you consider training judo and for the Paralympics? And, oh. um, I was just like, you know, like, like when an opportunity comes, if, yeah. if you want to do it, you got to take it. Cause you don't know if it'll ever come again. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And like for the next, like, three years all I did was judo like nonstop um, learning a whole new sport and you know going around the world to all these different countries competing and training and just packing so many years of judo into three and um, now it's been about like five almost six years of doing it so like I was training to make it to the Tokyo Olympics but I um, I was very close I had a few tournaments left and I tore my groin right before like uh, a big tournament in mm. overseas and I didn't get to go. And then I was out for like six to eight months where the Olympics were in like six months and I couldn't go to any of the qualifying tournaments to like, oh, no. yeah, so it was pretty brutal. And then um, as time went on, I kept keep training and right now I'm training to go to the Paris Olympics in 2024 hopefully uh if all goes well and like competing and uh qualifying and stuff 
uh i right now i'm ranked like first in the country and like 23rd in the world so i wow. just like world ranking up and then which would happen just from like going to competitions like qualifying mm -hmm. competitions and trying to like win points you call it like if you win matches you get points so mm -hmm. like try and get more points and do all this stuff like my next competitions in england in august like two weeks after my baby's born oh so no goodness hopefully they come <laughs> on time or else i'll have to skip that one but rightfully so um <laughs> but yeah that's how i got into uh judo was through all that uh, wow documentary and just it's like a real like puzzle that like fits together when you look back on your life it's really weird well and like in the moment i feel like these things like they don't always make sense and like the hard turns and stuff and, and it's like wow like and then it is kind of amazing looking back and i imagine you're thinking wow like this led to this led to this and yeah that's why we're here no 100 yeah. i i'm like the biggest uh i always do that like i'll like it's like you have like an aha moment where you're like, wait, if this never happened to me, then that would have never happened to me. And then this would have <laughs> never happened. And I wouldn't be here right now. So yeah, it's, like, man. it's all those like serendipitous things, I guess you would call it. Yeah, definitely. Is uh, your documentary like online somewhere? How can people watch it? Because I definitely <laughs> want to see it now. Thank you. Um, it's on uh, Amazon Prime, Google Play and Apple TV. And also Vimeo.com, but okay. And is it described? No, what? uh, <laughs> no. Anthony, be fair, <laughs> be fair. There's you can, um, you can kind of tell what's going on just listening. Yeah, actually, documentaries are generally pretty easy to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I used to hate audio description until recently. I started using it a lot, like on shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I think fan. it's gotten a lot better. I was yeah. just gonna say, you <laughs> awful. Like they <laughs> talk over the people talking. Or, yeah. Okay. So and, that wasn't a fake memory I had. <laughs> no, it's, it's real. And like now, they'll what they do. I notice is they'll say something happens right before it happens. So then you still get like all of it. Really I love. I love that when you're like sitting with your friends and you're like reacting before they react. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, I have a question for you because uh, I also see you compete in skateboarding, right? Yes. And you have a podcast with Dan Manchina, and we had him on here a couple months ago, actually. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. And then we realized you guys are like, you know, partners on the podcast and stuff, and we were like, well, we should have them both. Uh <laughs> Dan is like my blind brother. Um, we have a podcast that's called Four Bad Eyes Podcast. I love that name. That's perfect. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. a big hang, and then we'll like interview people. Also, like we've had a few uh, great interviews that were, you know, it's a lot of fun. So we do, and we do like fun video content for it too, where we make like you know reels and stuff like that, and it's just uh, it's a lot of fun. I love Dan. Yeah, he seems like a really cool guy. And uh but I, I'm curious, so do you guys do you guys skate together much? Like do you do you hang and skate or like how long have you well you said you were skating when you were like a kid until you started running into park cars? Yeah, so <laughs> and um, so like how uh how did that continue? Like did you did you drop it for a while and then get back in? Yeah, yeah. so I dropped skateboarding actually subconsciously. Like I used to just skateboard um kind of like only at a familiar place like i would be scared to go anywhere else and if there was more than like three people there i wouldn't go all these things and i wasn't like confident with it and sorry i keep burping <laughs> <laughs> well i hadn't noticed but now i'm gonna yeah. listen to it. <laughs> don't worry about it um but yeah so i like uh it was something i like really took up because of my brother like he was really good at it too oliver mm -hmm. and um when he passed i like subconsciously just stopped skateboarding like i just like was like screw it i don't even care about skateboarding blah blah, blah. and then one day um this was maybe three years ago 
Um, my other brother, John, lives at my brother's old house. So Ollie's old house, John bought and lives there with his family. And I was there one day and I was in the garage and I like kicked a skateboard. And I was like, oh, what's this? He's like, oh, it's Ollie's skateboard. You should take it. And I was like, all right. And then I started skating again. But then it was still like my, you know, only go to one park that I know and then only skate like one thing there. And I got invited to a meetup in Michigan with like all these blind skateboarders like Justin Bishop, Dan Mancina, Nick Mullins uh, and like many more. And then there was there was probably like seven of us. And then uh, our friend who skates with crutches, Shane Brigham's, he's awesome. And, uh, I learned, I didn't know how to do like anything. Like all I could do was skate like a, it's called a mini ramp. So like a mini half pipe and Dan actually, I looked up to Dan online. Like he was kind of this like famous person to me. Like I was like nervous to meet him and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we hung out, uh, at the meetup and he taught me how to do something on like a ledge and it like he taught me how to use so the first person to ever introduced me to the cane was this guy justin bishop like for skateboarding wise like i used a cane my whole life but um for skateboarding justin showed me you could use this cane while skating and like i was kind of like ah whatever i don't really want to do that and then dan showed me how to grind like a ledge using my cane and like feeling where things were and stuff like that and it opened this like whole new world for me. I got like so excited and um, that that same trip, Dan's birthday, he was having a birthday party at his house and it was kind of like maybe like 45 minutes from where we were all staying. And I wasn't going to go because I was like, oh, well, you know, like he's got all his family. Like, why would he want some random people there? Whatever. And Kelly, my wife was like, you should really go. You never know if you're going to meet your next best friend. And she wasn't even talking about like him necessarily, just like you can meet anyone there. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, like we, I went, we became like, we talked that day and like became closer and then started like texting a bunch and talking over the phone. Cause I live in uh, New Jersey. He lives in Michigan. And we started talking a bunch and we're like, well, we're, we should really do something together and that's kind of how like the idea of the podcast came up and then we just started like you know taking off with that and then uh we meet up like at least every other month to like record a bunch of in-person stuff and then you know skate as much as possible and then we also meet up at like these like adaptive uh skate competitions so that's been really fun and you know i've just made a lot of good friends through that and really like i you know dan who's my business partner and really like i'd call brother in blindness so yeah it's really awesome um skateboarding is amazing like i i love it um it was crazy because one of your photos on the website um it has like an alt text like an image description and it's like um it's like anthony doing a blunt disaster da 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 and so my boyfriend's big into like well you know someone into skateboarding so i had to text him be like what's a blunt disaster <laughs> <laughs> and he like actually like explained it to me in really good detail I was like and I was imagining like trying to do something like that with a cane and I was just like that sounds so cool and like I mean I've tried just like wheeling on a skateboard and it, I mean I don't have the balance for starters but I would I mean I think it would be so cool to like to learn like more techniques on and how you guys do that but it's like I was just like wow like I knew you guys were doing some really interesting and like exciting like tricks and like really truly riding the park and like Dan was going into it a little bit but I was just like wow like I don't know it just really blew my mind so that was so cool yeah no it's crazy too because like <laughs> when I started these guys were like so much better I was like I'll never be able to skate with them type of thing and then when you're in your progress you don't really notice it but now looking back to where I was like two and a half years ago when I met all them, like my skateboarding's really improved and it's been like an awesome journey and like 
learning each thing. You know, it's a real battle every time you're learning a trick or trying something new with anything, really. And then when you, like, get it, you're like, it's like the most rewarding feeling in the world. And I love skateboarding so much. I think it's, like, one of my favorite things I do, like, pleasure-wise, because it's, like, it's very rewarding when you get what you're trying. You know, it could be days of trying something. And it also you get in this like battle of like well blindness doesn't even have room to be in my head right now because i'm trying something that takes all my focus and stuff like that so it really takes you out of like you know where you are or what problems you're having in your Flow life state. at that time yeah yeah <laughs> well dan was talking about trying you guys trying to build the or raise funds for like the the accessible, accessible skate, park. skate park yeah yeah Dan has a um he just bought a new house with a new property and he's working on raising money to uh to go to build a, a adaptive skate park for blind and visually impaired and like host camps and clinics there. So it's really awesome. I think the concrete's getting poured like in the spring. Wow. Oh, some, oh, sometime wicked. next year. So it's really exciting. Um Go to fundraiser.com and donate to Dan's Keep Pushing Adapt Park. <laughs> Sounds so excellent. really exciting. The way you make the skate park accessible for, like, the blind is, like, longer features so they have, like, more time to set up. And, you know, uh, just there's, like, all different types of ways you can make it a little more friendly for the blind. Mm -hmm. Wow. Awesome. Cool. There's there's so much to touch on here. I um. And I wanted to move on to ask you a little bit about your music. Yeah. Um, and I was reading about like you've done like two. Am I correct in in reading that that you did two busking tours? Yes. Um. So can you tell us like what you were trying to do there with those, and like also what is you play acoustic guitar, right? Yeah, I play acoustic, and then um when I'm playing like alone a lot, and then I play electric, and like um whenever right. people hire me for like a band. Uh, I'll like put a band together and play electric guitar and stuff like that. Wow. Um, I was really bad at guitar when I started. I was, my dad used to call me Stone Hands because I didn't even know what rhythm was. <laughs> my family, <laughs> my family wouldn't let me practice in the same room as them. They'd be like, "Can you go somewhere else?" And um, so that was another journey of like, you know, learning guitar. I just learned from everyone I could. I was I became obsessed with it, and. I only started singing because we used to jam in my basement at my parents' house and no one else would sing. So like I had to, and I was so bad at that when I started, like <laughs> it was, it was pretty awful. I didn't even know what pitch was or anything. And, um, I finally like, you know, started progressing and playing at like bars and restaurants and different events and stuff like that. And then when COVID hit, there was like head down, just all I was focused on was judo. And then COVID hit and everything paused. So you're like, what am I going to do with my life? And I knew I had guitar. So like that was, I was doing these little like live streams on like Facebook to like try and make people happy, like in the craziest time. And I was scrolling on Facebook of all places and I was getting so sick to my stomach because like everyone was bashing each other and like, it was so negative. It was, you know, if you disagreed with one person, you were mm -hmm. like the worst person ever. Mm -hmm. And also at the same time, the election in the U S was going on. So it was like so much negative stuff online and it was really bothering me. And I said to Kelly, who was my fiance at the time. And, uh, she, I was like, this just sucks. Like, I hate this. And I started, I didn't know what to do for money either. Cause like everything was like paused and I started playing on the, and we had just moved into a new apartment. And I started playing on the corner in town, like just playing guitar and singing and like actually making really good tips. And <laughs> people were just so happy to be outside and like hear live music anywhere. Totally. And I was like, well, why don't we? And then we came up with the idea of, let's do a busking tour because that was busking busking is playing out like for tips on mm -hmm. the side of the road or wherever it could be and we made this plan to do a seven week 
10,000 mile cross country road trip where we just packed the guitar and everything and um had like a little amplifier and stuff that was battery powered and went around the country to all these incredible places with like beautiful we picked like specifically like beautiful backdrops to like live stream to people oh, wow. so like you know if it's for like 30 minutes a stop like it's 30 minutes to like get out of your world for a minute of like depression and negativity and like lockdown and it was really amazing like we live streamed to the world and did this whole trip like all these things happened our car broke down we had to buy a new car in Carolina. <laughs> oh, um, no. I played on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, we went to the Salt Flats in Utah, and Kelly let me uh drive our car. <laughs> like eight miles by eight miles of just pure like salt, oh, cool. and it's like all flat and stuff. And I was just like ripping around this area, and like <laughs> it was the best like experience ever. And when I got when we got back. We were like, oh, my gosh, like we made a plan and did it. And like it actually happened, like we branded the whole thing and we did a podcast along the way, like of, of each stop to stop. And then when I say like live stream to the world, it was like three people on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, how can we reach more people? I want to like be able to like help more people and like ins like just inspire others and like make them smile and like I want to reach more people and we made this like she always used to say during the pandemic like you should do a dance on TikTok with your cane it'll go viral and I was like, <laughs> no way like I'm not doing that it's something we always laugh about to this day and um I was like I'm not doing that and then months later I'm I'm like scrolling through TikTok I'm like let me check this out and like there was other people doing stuff like showing just like their life or vlogging and different stuff it wasn't just like a dance thing so i was like you know maybe i'll try introducing myself and whatever so one day we film a video of me just being like i'm anthony uh i look pretty normal right and i was like but there's one thing different like i'm blind and then like show my cane and then i'm like go through all the things that i do like skateboarding surfing uh how i'm on team usa for judo and uh i was like follow follow along for like more of my journey and like went to sleep and it had like 100 views and i had like 10 followers and i woke up and the video was like at like 50,000 views and grown <laughs> like wow. had like thousands of followers and like <laughs> hundreds of messages of like like please don't stop like you are inspiring me like uh you know I need to see more. Like, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll show you. And like, th that's kind of how like the page was born of like showing people like I'm blind and this is how I do blah, blah, blah. And uh, it just kept growing and growing. Like we spent hours on TikTok live trying to grow and like just engage with people and, you know, like so many nights of like adrenaline of like videos going viral and we're like oh what is happening i've never had this happen before like <laughs> like it was such a rush and really just being able to like reach so many people and like help others you know because i always said since i was a little kid like people were like what do you want to do when you grow up and i'm like i just want to help people like that was always my response and then we started you know just we just kept doing like Kelly films and edits everything for uh, me. And she also like films and edits and produces the podcast with Dan. And um, it just, we became a team and like, uh, she sounds like a really cool lady. Yeah, <laughs> without her at this point. <laughs> Amazing. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up getting married during the pandemic in 2021 of uh, October 2nd. And Kelly had this like she surprised me with a tactile she had a custom tactile wedding gown made oh, like, I always like hated the texture of like wedding gowns because they're more just made for the pictures and they would be like kind of crunchy or like weird <laughs> yeah. and she like had one made with like silk and velvet and like embroidered flowers and all this stuff so like I could actually feel what Aww. she looked like and it was amazing and like we made a video of it of like you know a recap of the wedding like 
you know, I just got married to my best friend, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And I said, like, real quick, like, there was a tactile wedding dress. And then, like, USA Today reached out to us. And then, like, all these other news outlets, like, and then, like, Glamour and, like, all those, like, magazines and stuff. And it just became this, like, viral story. And it was really, I had no idea that would happen. And it was really cool. And, like, um, we just kept growing from there and, and doing the social media stuff. And um, music's always been, like, just a huge passion of mine. Like, I love music, you know, so much. It's it's just a great way to express yourself and, you know, uh, be involved with other people. And, like, just it's a great, you know, it's like a meditation, too. So, like, anytime I... You know, I get hired mm -hmm. a lot to, like, play out. And, like, I've done, like, a music festival in Arizona and, like, a bunch of things. So, yeah, that's the music journey, I guess, along wow. with the uh, social media as well. Oh, I love... That's incredible. I love the dress. I That just brought tears to my eyes. I'm just like, that is so beautiful. We were, this that. is how thoughtful she is. When we were, oh. like... So we got married on this big property in Maine, our friend's property. It's, like, all off the grid. So we had to bring everything, like, including, like, electricity and, like, <laughs> and we, got this, sink. Yeah, we got this big tent. And um, when we were walking through it, like, two days before the wedding, there were these, like, death poles, like, in the middle. <laughs> yeah, we know those. One. Yeah, I hit my head on one. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, don't say anything. And she's like, no, we're going to fix this. And she made her mom and sisters get bubble wrap and bubble <laughs> all of the death poles and her <laughs> and decorated oh. them. So it was like, uh, she just, she's like, I want you to be able to walk around confidently on your wedding day. Oh, oh my God. Oh. Like, we've done like dining in the dark together and stuff. And uh, oh. it's, I think it's just been a great thing for our relationship too. Like, going do you have you ever heard of dining in the dark yeah yeah, yeah. we have one in vancouver yeah my husband come on in montreal it's, it's so it's fun cool. to watch people sighted people oh go my gosh we brought my brother <laughs> like, yeah my brother-in-law came and he started crying really because <laughs> he was like stressing out he was stressed out but then oh, he no. was like but like i i get to walk out of this and oh. like it goes back oh, to <laughs> Oh no. No. And I was like, oh, that's uh, that's funny. I I love like putting the the partners like you know, I my boyfriend, I made him uh, I like blindfolded him with it with his like he was all good with it. He like used my cane and like you know, I was like teaching him like O and M skills, like yes. this is how you do it because it's not like it's not impossible. It's like no. impossible, right? But it's exactly. stressful at first. Yeah, yeah. At first I think it is super yeah. 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 No, that's... I love going into dining in the dark and being like, I'll pour your water. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You Here, do you want me to help you? Yeah. You need help cutting your food? Like, I can do it. I'll find your napkin for you. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Here's your drink. Oh, yeah, it's that's fun. so funny. This has been so, like, you are such an interesting person to talk to, and this has been so great. But I just kind of want to know a little bit more about ASF Vision. Cause that's your, that's like your platform, right? Like your, yeah, that's my brand. Um, yeah. it's, it's my initials, um, Anthony Simon Ferraro, which my mom was going to name me Simon, but no one let her in my, <laughs> uh, they were all like, come on, anything else. And, uh, it's actually a funny story. My, my dad was like, oh, come on, not Simon. And, he was trying to think of any other name to name me. And my uncle Tony called my dad and my dad gets off phone. He's like, how about the name Anthony Sue? And then she was like, yeah, I like that name. And that's how like my name. <laughs> name. And uh, so like ASF vision is, you know, it's like kind of a play on words, I guess. Like, you know, what's really funny is all my friends with voiceover it pronounced it like ass vision. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's how it's good. They thought it was ass vision. Like that's what I thought when I saw it in Keisha's notes. Are we really gonna ask him about that? Okay. So good. And so I think that's really funny how that worked out. But it's just like the whole brand of like you know, it's me marketing myself and like my motivational speaking, my, um, 
my music like so every and social media so everything's under like one umbrella it's like uh became a business like two years ago and or actually one year ago and um it's really just about like it's a positive platform for you know no negativity allowed basically and like for people to pick up others and like the whole one love thing is like you know people know it from like bob marley but it goes way before that like yeah way way before that and it's about like you know just sending that message of love and like helping each other and like you know you can't get any it takes a village so like the bigger network you grow of like like-minded people of people trying to stoke each other up and help each other and you know accomplish their goals it's it's really a place like where people can learn from each other and um it's really just a mindset of like you know not giving up and all these types of things kind of in one so that's kind of where it came from wow i love that and like what are you kind of like what are you hoping um kind of long term to see happen with asf vision like what is like your big kind of dream with it um that's really, a big question <laughs> oh no, it is um but really like just to be able to con- like continue it and continue helping others and also like you know supporting my family and just helping out as much as i can and really growing it um not not so much like not so much care about the numbers but like the the um the value of each person so mm-hmm. like like not just having a bunch of followers to have a bunch of followers but like to actually be able to engage and connect with people and you know really just like negativity is contagious but so is like positivity so really just trying to like make people feel good and then like spread that to the next person and like keep paying it forward and you know really just I'd like to be remembered when I die so like having a legacy (laughs) I guess too is like a big thing and stuff like that yeah Wow. That is, that's, this has been so incredible. And I I don't know. I mean, blind beginnings is we serve like children and youth across BC um, who are blind or partially sighted and their families as well. And uh, I know I actually, when I told one of, one of the youth that you were going to be one of our interviewees, she was like, Oh, I love Anthony. Uh, So, you know, like people are excited that year and they know about about you, like a lot of people um, in the community. So I guess like it's putting you on the spot. Like, do you do you have any like piece of advice or like something that really is meaningful to you that you would want to share? And it's okay if if you don't. But I do. Um, And some people take this the wrong way, like especially in the uh, disabled community mm-hmm. but I really try to tell people like the only disability it really is a bad attitude um mm-hmm. and I don't mean like I'm not you know ignoring your disability or whatever it is but like I know people that are completely like everything's working with their body everything's you know perfect whatever and they sit home day after day making an excuse after excuse of why they can't do something like can't get a job because the boss sucks or I can't do this because like you know I I didn't get my opportunity all this stuff and then I know people that are in wheelchairs that are literally going out and like climbing mountains like physically Mm -hmm. climbing mountains and rock climbing doing all these incredible things yeah that being said it's like you don't have to be doing like extreme sports or crazy stunts or anything like that like if you like to cook, if you like to sew, like if you like to freaking, you know, do crochet, is that? Yeah. yeah. Like whatever it is you have a passion for, like just really go after it and it can be done. Cause like at the end of the day, like who's the person with a disability, like not person in the wheelchair. It's the person sitting home, just feeling sorry for themselves day after day. So like, don't let your disability define you also. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, labels are limiting. So don't label yourself like, oh, I can't do this because I'm slow. Like you could get faster. Like there's ways to work at things like nothing for me happened overnight. It all is a grind. And it's all like, you know, it sometimes it takes years to get like that turn around the corner that you're looking for. But it's no reason to give up at all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I 
completely agree. I love, you've actually inspired me. I've, I've tried to learn the guitar over the years. And when you were talking about skateboarding and like just the mm-hmm. having to focus on what you're doing and do it over and over and over until you finally get it. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like that about some of the chords in guitar. And I've just sort of been like, it's too hard. I can't do an F. I'm never going to be able to play this. (laughs) So I give up and I feel like, no, I I need to persist. I need to keep trying because of course, like, you know, it it does eventually work. And just that the other, like guitar too. I like when I play guitar, I don't even feel blind anymore. You're just like in this realm of music and it's like, it's really incredible. Um, I, I need you to, Get that F chord down. I'm gonna try. Yeah, that that's me. a hard one. <laughs> I, one. I for one, out of this conversation, I'm like, I think I need to make a trip to this accessible skate park and try yeah. skating because I like try skateboarding because it sounds fun and like I I think that was a barrier I kind of put on myself like oh like yeah like you can't even balance like how are you gonna skateboard. Like, I, I mean, I can balance on skis, but it's like, okay, let's, let's try this. Let's, let's, you know, maybe talk, maybe get coached a little bit by some people who know what they're doing. Okay. Well, you're crazy. Cause I'm not skiing. I'm, <laughs> I'm oh, what? There's I'm, something you don't do. I'm what? scared to go crisscross applesauce or whatever. Like, I'm, <laughs> I don't know pizza, French fry. Like I can't, I, I'm scared to do a split, but I'll do a snowboard, but it's yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. Amazing. Like, I'm like, Oh, I'm terrible. Like, yeah. With one board, I'm better with two. So there you go. Know, there you go. But that's, a, that's we'll hilarious. Put, we'll give you two skateboards. <laughs> one for each foot. That's perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Brilliant. I love it. Well, uh, thank, thank you. you so, so much for taking the time to talk with us. No, thank you. <laughs> in the future uh, i could come out to bc and and you know help with the organization oh my oh. goodness you would love that i was like you'd be an amazing speaker with yeah. our youth i mean if you are ever in vancouver please let us know because yeah it would, it would be such yeah. a treat for us awesome. and go there awesome well thank you anthony thanks oh, for thank joining you, us appreciate please. it and i guess uh people can find you where uh everything's on asfvision.com perfect on everything and then four bad eyes podcast right and a shot in the dark look for that as well awesome thank you so much one love and thank you keisha (laughs) for bringing us anthony yeah Uh, it's been it's been such a such a fun podcast thank you guys You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.